1: Century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen. Do it straight from the haters. Got a nice ring to it. I can guess every superhero don't need the same music. No one man should have all that power. We'll the clock's ticking, I just count the hours. Stop sipping, I'm sipping all the power. We're all having 60 seconds. Here we go,
2: gang. Red vs. Blue is next.
0: One bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rivalry. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404 red versus blue sports talk radio where planet red and big blue nation collide let's hope they're still friends afterwards here they are scott and mike
1: Radio, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, Team Legacy in the world of high stakes fantasy football. Tonight is Friday, the fifteenth day of April, two thousand eleven. This transmission being brought to you from Indianapolis, Indiana, home of the Super Bowl, if we have one. And uh, as always, I'm joined by my big blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. Mike, what's on the tap for tonight, buddy?
2: Well, I'll tell you what, I wanna make a real uh just real quick shout out real fast to uh to the Big Blue Nation of the University of Kentucky for beating Louisville in another event baseball uh three two game uh this past week. So uh Gene, I know you're listening and uh Gene, you owe me a beer, buddy. Uh we always go heads up. So uh yeah, Kentucky wins another game over Louisville. But uh that's that, you know we're, we're over that. I mean that that's old news. Um, I don't know. I, we got a lot of things on tap. Uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of players we want to talk about. A lot of trades that are going on in in the NFL uh, dynasty leagues uh, that we want to touch on. Uh, there's a couple of players that I've got uh, written down real quick, Scott. That uh, you know I would like to see their value. Uh, what you think of their value and uh, some of the listeners in the chat room. Uh, hopefully that's filling up. Uh, see what they think about their uh, values. Well, we're going to talk about Sunday tonight. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of a
1: fat-tire Friday for me here at the uh, Red vs. Blue headquarters. I've been kind of lounging around the last couple hours after the boys got put to bed. You know, sometimes you just don't feel it. I'm going to, I'm going to try to pull it together tonight. Uh, 347-324-5404 is the number. Uh, Feel free to give us a call. There's lots going on in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. If you read the report uh, that we sent out this afternoon from the Fantasy Players Association, you're definitely aware uh, that the World Championship of Fantasy Football is still having the payment issues uh, lingering and ongoing. It's now been 41 days since Dustin came on to state that the payments, uh, that everything was rectified and that everything should be resolved very soon. Payments have been trickling in. We will, uh, you know... (laughs) We will say that that people have been getting paid. It's just been late. It's just been slow, and not a lot of explanation uh, detail was given. I mean, if you fix an accounting problem, you would think that you could just get that whipped out and knocked out. But being very hush-hush on the subject, it's bothering a lot of folks. And the Fantasy Players Association, we just, uh, you know, you can't support an organization uh, that hasn't paid their winners. That's the whole reason why the uh, Fantasy Players Association was born, was to represent the players. Uh, the FPA's concerns are the players' concerns. The FPA's questions are the players' questions. Uh, we don't represent the industry. We represent the high-stakes fantasy player and all fantasy players in all sports. Uh, we, we love exactly. it. It's a hobby. It's a passion. And uh, you know what? You put money into a contest, get, you expect to get paid if you win. If you enter a free contest, Mike, with a prize payout and you win, you expect to get paid. Uh, it's exactly. pretty simple, logic, really. Uh, if you don't take care of your customers, somebody else will, and that's where we're at in the, in the high state industry. We've got more well, explosive news. We've got explosive news, Mike, that we have to release uh, early next week. We'll be doing that, if not this weekend. Uh, again, it's just a crazy state of affairs in the industry right now, and we hope that we can move past this, get back to the hobby that we all
2: enjoy. Well, I'll, there's one thing that I want you uh you know as head of the uh, FPA the fantasy players association and uh, everybody that's associated with that that uh, you don't ever have to justify why you're doing what you're doing and i'm not i'm not saying that because you know we're friends and because i have your back a lot of times don't ever try to justify what you're doing what the FBA is doing is watching out for everybody's interest uh, before they get before they get snake bitten, before they get uh, bitten as far as uh, you know putting in money and not getting the money back. That's what the FPA does. Uh, I'm, I'm a I'm a firm believer in the FPA, but don't ever uh, try to justify what you're doing and why you're doing it because it, it's a good thing for uh, all uh, high stakes fantasy players. And all prospective high stakes fantasy players. Three four seven three two
1: four five four zero four is the number. Brian Fontaine is in the chat room from Pro Football Focus. I'm telling you what. I'm, I'm, there's a word that I have to describe. Uh, pro Football Focus. I'm enamored with the site. Uh, enamored is a good word. My ProFootballFocus.com. He's. Uh, I tell you, they put together a heck of a staff and, and, and articles, uh, contributing authors there. Uh, the statistician wizardry over there is very impressive. I referenced uh, some articles last week. I've got another article that I want to reference uh, this tonight that I that I've uh, that I that I read, and uh, I think fantasy players can all enjoy this. Uh, there's an article on Pro Football Focus stating that offensive lines, Mike, do not yep. really impact a fantasy back's performance. <laughs> you know, you do you don't really. Uh, I don't know, that's something that's a little shocking when you say that. You mean an offensive line doesn't affect a fantasy back's performance? Well, Kevin Boyle, uh, back in February, posted that question and posed that question to himself and to the data. You know, you got to look at the data uh, most of the time when, when, when you have a question, and the data will answer your question uh, or maybe bring up new questions. And there's an article over there that I'd be happy to, uh, to link for the chat room.
2: I'll get I would love up here. that. Yeah. Because that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, with no offensive line, are you telling me Emmitt Smith is going to be the back he was? With no offensive line, could uh, the Denver Broncos run backs, as many as they had, with so many of them, with uh, Mike Shanahan as the head coach? I mean, give me a break. The offensive line has no impact. I totally disagree. Well, hey, you know
1: what? It's interesting. Uh, There's – they they basically take the offensive lines and they rank those from top to bottom as the y axis and then the x axis is the is the running back performance running backs per carry per touch. And the data backs up what they see each year. In some cases a running back can succeed with a poor offensive line like LeGarrette Blunt did in two thousand ten. I mean Tampa Bay's line it was uh it was pretty shabby last year and uh but you know even even with that uh Lark did a, a fantastic job. He, he was a very uh a top notch guy at the end of the season there and uh it, it's interesting that it, it is um, it's not necessarily dependent on the offensive line uh on the offensive line ratings if the if
2: the running back is gonna score fantasy points. Uh well, again there's a lot of Go ahead. Yeah, I, I think we're splitting hairs right here because uh who determines what a. To a great offensive line, and what's a poor offensive line. Uh, Granted, I guarantee you, uh, Tampa Bay's offensive line in 2009 probably wasn't very good. 2008 probably wasn't very good. But the 2008 team, the 2009 team, and the 2010 team, that offensive line began to gel. So I don't know what determines a good offensive line and a terrible offensive line.
1: Well, uh, you know, uh, that's a good question. That, that's uh, for smarter men than me, uh, or smarter sure. men than I. I. I went ahead and posted the link in the chat room. You guys can take a look at it and, and, and get some discussion going. Uh, again, there's uh, there's articles like this that you can find. Again, we, we talked about the uh, the report last week on uh, fantasy points per route ran. I mean, what an interesting statistic that yeah. if you haven't really got your head around if, you, if you've never heard of it. Fantasy points per route ran, uh, per route. So if a receiver's in the game and he's running around, uh, how many fancy points does he score, you know, on average? And that revealed uh, some of the receivers at the top of the game. Kenny Britt uh, was at the top of that report. And that leads me to the Kenny Britt story this week. Mike, what a head case, man. He, look, arrested yep. after a car chase in his hometown in New Jersey, charged with eluding a police officer, lying to an officer, hindering apprehension, obstructing... A governmental function following a stop. I mean, uh, what in the world? I remember Fisher. He he suspended Britt for like a half against the Eagles last season after he was in yeah. that ball, ball You remember that game?
2: Yeah, I, I know, do. I
1: know Britt wasn't charged in that in that offense. But even in addition to that, he's only 22 years old. He's had he's had trouble staying in shape. You remember those reports last year?
2: Yep. I mean, he has trouble.
1: Yeah, he admitted his workout habits needed to be better, and he went into the off season saying that they would be a point of emphasis. Well, he looked the part last year. He was definitely in shape. But now the Titans have to be questioning what they do with that number eight pick overall. I'm sure they weren't thinking wide receiver, but do you think they are now with potentially Green and maybe even Julio being there at the eight pick?
2: Well, they're going to have to uh, because uh, with Fisher not being I, – I mean, I don't know – what the direction they're going to go, but, uh, that's a dysfunctional team right now. They, they, they do have, uh, with Chris Johnson being there. I mean, they've got a great back and uh, a lot of things that can be done there, but, uh, you know, without Fisher, uh, and Fisher's always been a staple, uh, for that organization, for the Tennessee Titans. And, uh, to see somebody else come in there and, uh, to see somebody else say, Kenny Britt, this was, this is what needs to be done. Kenny Britt, he can go out and do whatever he wants to do, and Kenny Britt's probably going to tell the coach, "Well, no, this is what I'm going to do," and that's no, uh, that that's a recipe for disaster. Three four seven three two four
1: five four zero four is the number. We're streaming live on the com. Just a quick shout out to Mark Ronick and the guy at the fantasy sports channel. Mike, I mention it every week. We stream live on fsc.fm. Yeah. We're on iTunes Radio. Uh, a lot of guys like to listen to um, iTunes, um, and they have their uh, iPods. And you know the new thing that's out these days is uh, Apple TV, and it's a nice little wireless device. hooks up USB to your television, and you can just kind of uh, you know watch podcasts, listen to podcasts, uh, do anything on the web that you like to do on a computer, but you can do it on your television with a remote. And so it makes it kind of nice if you're if you're sitting down, laying in bed, and you want to pull up uh, Red versus Blue, you just go to uh, the the, radio, the sports radio on the uh, on the Apple TV. You go to that link. You'll find uh, Blog Talk Radio and the Fantasy Sports Channel will be streaming live right there. So you can uh, catch us, and then we replay on a weekend. You can pull that up, too, so if you miss it. Uh, but anyway, Mike, listen, there's, um, there's a lot going on. Again, we talked about the World Championship of Fantasy Football. We've got the National Fantasy Football Championship that just announced that they will have four live drafts for the weekend, uh, the opening day, we- the kickoff weekend in Las Vegas. Uh, The National Fantasy Football Championship has always been the weekend before the trip to Las Vegas, Mike. It's always been that weekend that, you know, we usually head to Chicago, you and I, and we participate up there. And then the following weekend we usually head to Vegas and then, uh, you know, drafting those drafts. Well, this year they're going to take it a step further. They're going to have the drafts the weekend before. And while they're out in Vegas, they're going to have four more drafts, two on Friday, two on Saturday, uh, for those high-stakes players that just can't get enough NFFC action, Mike. So NFFC, Greg Ambrosius, now backed by stats, a major company. They are entering into the fray in Las Vegas on opening weekend. What do you think about
2: that? Well, uh, you know, I good for them. Uh, where where are those uh, were those sites at the uh, four uh, the four sites before uh, you know b- before the w- weekend? Uh, the, the, before the original draft. draft.
1: Yeah, well, they announced, uh, if you go to the uh, nffcboards.stats.com, that's, uh they, they went ahead and announced, you know, they've always been the Labor Day weekend guys. And look, let's face it, to be honest with you, it's very hard to get away on Labor Day weekend. It's really hindered the growth of the event. Everybody's known it. Uh, but we've always tried to get away anyway. We kiss the wife and kids and we say, see you later, you know, we're going to go. And uh, it's hard to do that the older you get, you know, because your family's kind of more dependent on you. And uh, I know the guys in the chat room feel the exact same way. I've talked to them. It's hard to get away, but we've we've managed to try to do it every single year. I know last year uh, we weren't able to make it, but most years we do. And uh, so what they've done is is they're they're, they're kind of recognizing that, I think, and they're kind of moving over. It's a good event. It's got a couple of quirks to the draft. We all know the 3RR, the third round reversal is a part of it, where they reverse the third round and 12 picks starts it back to one. That's a little odd. And then they do the uh Kentucky Derby uh drafting uh, uh draft pick where they uh you get to sl- you get to uh before the draft slots are announced, slot. you actually get to rank which draft slot is your preference. And then they kinda of right. pull out your name palm style and, and try to give you your, your highest preference for your your, your draft slot. That's kinda of cool. I like that. But the is always the fourteen uh, uh, teamer, the six points per passing touchdown, okay. the half a point for running back reception. Been
2: very difficult nut for us to crack, Mike. Yeah, that was that was the question I was going to ask. Scott. Uh, you know, I didn't know if it was going to be a fourteen teamer just like it used to be. Uh, it, it 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 is a very uh, tough nut to crack. I mean, uh, but I just hope that uh, hope that everything goes well, and uh, you know, I give them full support as far as uh, you know, just just making things right uh, with the entire situation, but. Uh, so they're going to do uh, they're going to do four drafts and then another draft uh, later on.
1: Uh, I'll break it down to you, Mike. They're they're doing drafts obviously all of the Labor Day weekend. Uh okay. Then they come back in Las Vegas. In okay. Las Vegas, they're going to do uh, NFFC primetime drafts. So the way I tape that, the way I, I see that, the only drafts that they're going to have. Uh, well, it looks like they have announced the Diamond League, which is a high-stakes league. But they have four NFFC primetime drafts, which are 12 teamers. Uh, Friday, September 9th at 2 p.m., September 9th at 6 p.m. So the, the two on Friday are at 2 and 6, respectively. Saturday the 10th are at 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. So they've got – we're going to have to look at the times. We always like to do the FFPC on Friday night. We like to do the FFPC on right. Saturday night. You've got uh, the the world championship on Saturday morning. We don't know what's going on with that, uh, but it looks like they're kind of uh, looks like what they're doing is they're kind of moving in on the WCFF territory more than anything. Uh, I don't, I don't. Uh, it looks like 10 a.m. on Saturday morning. I'll have to pull up the time slot for NF uh, for the FFPC on Friday. Are
2: those, uh, you know, I don't have that pulled up right now, Scott, because we're getting ready to get hammered with some storms. Uh, I'm kind of looking at that. Uh, are any of those uh, available online, or do you have to be on site uh, at the event?
1: It looks like they are available online, Mike. It says Las Vegas and online only. So it sounds like what you could be, you could be in Vegas sitting there with maybe three or four other guys at your table while the rest of them are online. So if you can't make it to Vegas this year, Mike, you could draft uh, the NFFC, uh main Good. event, uh, um, yeah, from your, uh, from your rocking chair, man. Okay. All right. That's good. That's good.
2: I'm going to make a note of that. Well, congrats to um,
1: congrats to Greg for getting out there uh, in Vegas and having a draft on the opening weekend. That's a big step forward for his contest. And uh, the FFPC definitely kicked their uh, contest off in style the last couple of years and have done it just a top-notch job. You couldn't ask for more uh, of an entertaining time with those guys. And, uh, you know, it's always been the WCFF. Uh, they, you know, they're the ones that, uh, started at Lenny and Amel back in the day, uh, brought it to Las Vegas and MGM. And we had the ESPN, uh, ESPN sports zone party, you know, the live kickoff party. Now we have the Thursday night party where we hosted, uh, the, uh, inaugural uh, round table discussion with all the experts in the industry. And that was a lot of fun last year. I had a blast hosting that party. Maybe we could do that again. Um, then we have the parties. Uh, you know, everything's catered. Everything's paid for. You just, you know, uh, you, you kind of uh, pay all your dues and, or pay all your fees for the leagues up front and get that out of the way. And then that way when you go to Vegas, you can just have a good time and not think about anything and just everything's done, you know. It's it's, it's, it's a good time. And I, I know you enjoy that experience as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you you posted something on your Facebook page that uh, I really uh, want you to expound on a little bit more because – this was really interesting, and uh, we've touched on it uh, a couple times on Red versus Blue uh, in the last, I'd say, year. The bare knuckle challenge. Yeah. Will you uh, Will you expand? I mean, most everybody knows what it's all about, but uh, the guy with the uh, who was that guy with the, the the cloth around his head, and he, you know, he just basically saying. I have nothing in front of me and uh this is the way it works. Huh.
1: Mike, that was uh that was our good friend Emil Cadillac. He was at the um the that draft where he had blindfolded for an extra bounty. They basically offered up an extra prize saying, Hey, if you can draft blindfolded the entire draft, we'll kick in an extra thousand dollars for the winner or something along that line. Well anyway, he raised his hands, he did it immediately, uh, took his glasses off, put the blindfold on, and can you imagine drafting an entire draftmaster-style wow. draft. I think this. I think this the Bare Knuckles League was like 26 rounds or something crazy. <laughs> and he drafted it blindfolded. So you not only have to remember the guys that you want and your team needs, but you have to remember who else has been picked throughout the entire draft. Very hard to do. I mean, it takes incredible memorization yeah. and, uh, wow, I mean, aptitude. He, he did it. That's I don't incredible. have the results of how he did, but I think he fared pretty well.
2: Yeah, I mean, that that's just – that's incredible knowledge and uh, what a memory to just be able to do that. You know, because we we look at ourselves as, you know, we're we're pretty good. I mean, we, we know how to draft. You know, we're marking off players left and right. We're maybe checking out a partner and saying, hey, what do you think about this guy? We're marking off players. Imagine with no pen, no paper, no nothing, and just doing that straight up and – uh you know, knowing who you've got and who everybody else has—that's that's just incredible.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, so you know that you, you got to check out the Facebook page over at the FPA Fantasy Players Association. You'll be able to see that picture of Abel, uh on there that um, our good friend um, Rob Benetti took at the draft. Pretty pretty cool event for the Fantasy Football Players Championship to debut that. Uh, a, a bare-knuckles league, no cheat sheets, no no writing utensils. Just uh, cool. show up at the draft and uh, draft what you can do. Uh, Mike, let, let's move on. So, again, good things for the NFFC. That's good things for everyone that goes to Vegas. Uh, the more fun we can have, the more leagues we can draft at, it makes it uh, makes it just a better time. We talked about Kenny Britt. That's one head case. Let's move to another head case, Mike. Dead bryan Now, listen, this is an intriguing guy here because – I mean, let's face it. Yeah, there's a lot of upside with this kid, and I don't think we've seen such upside um, in, from from a, from a wide receiver in a long, long time. Well, I mean, hey, you know, let's okay, Mike Williams, right? I mean, he's he's great, but Dez Bryant settled on two hundred fifty thousand dollars of unpaid jewelry. It was like he had about or two hundred seventy thousand. He he had only paid like eight percent of the total, and and just stiffed these guys. Basically, just ran away with them. Loads of talent. But I don't know if this is a guy you could trust, Mike. Dion Sanders, who had, you know, originally got then got in trouble for visiting Dion back in college, and he got suspended, but Dion called his actions just the other day ignorant. He said the wide receiver needs help, and he said, I quote, I told the Cowboys from day one that he needs help. Matter of fact, they have a team in place to help him, but you cannot tell a grown man what to do. All right, end quote. Now, you add those comments to all of his background, and then you add to it that Dez Bryant was involved in an incident with security at a mall, dude. Uh, security, yep. a, a mall cop asked him and his buddies to pull up their pants. They were hanging out of their butts, right? And they asked him to pull up their pants, and Dez reportedly cussed out the mall cop in a rage and was finally told to leave the mall. Now, Mike, does this sound like a guy... That you want to draft in a dynasty league? I mean, all the talent aside, he's got like Randy Moss talent, from 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 all accounts, at least Brandon Marshall talent.
2: Uh, this kid is just a walking time bomb. Okay, all right, uh, uh, Scott. First off, uh, luckily uh, in this day and age of 2011, we have uh, we have the wherewithal to be able to go back to the time machine and check out. Shows, recent shows, if you go back to Red vs. Blue fantasy, high stakes fantasy football, the show in May, June, and July, you will hear myself, which is a big Cowboy fan I am, you will hear myself say, stay away from this guy, do not draft him, do not touch him, he's bad news, it's going to be tough, go back and listen. I've got it pulled up, and I, I pulled up two different shows that I did. One was on June, one was in July, where the Cow- Dallas Cowboys were very excited about him, and they were like, "Oh, get all, you know, get all over him, man. He's the biggest thing that's ever happened." Stay away, is what I said. Again, I say, stay away from Dez Bryant. There's a problem there, and uh, a cancer just breeds cancer. So, now said. <laughs>
1: Well, listen, I I, want to look, you know, you've got to look at the talent, okay? And and I want to look at not just the talent of Dez Bryant, but I want to look at the talent of the other receivers around him. I mean, let's face it, you have to – the question I pose tonight is, how important is that rookie fantasy year for wide receivers? I mean, can you be uh, an elite wide receiver? Can you be a Randy Moss or a a, uh, Calvin Johnson or an Andre Johnson – uh, if you just have a really awful first year, and what do the stats say about that? What do the stats say if a receiver comes out and does absolutely nothing, you know, in the first year, you know, that that they're just – is there some – is there some uh, there was some hope for guys like, um, let me say, Golden Tate, you know, a guy that came out and was drafted? Is there hope for an Aurelius Ben that really didn't do anything? And is there hope for a guy like Dexter McCluster or Demarius Thomas? No. These guys – that were were stud, uh, you know, uh, highly picked, highly touted rookie wide receivers, is there still hope for these guys? Because I'll tell you what, I went back and did a little research of my own, Mike, and I I like to put something together. When I'm looking at a receiver, I kind of like to take certain things and just clump them all together. So I'll look at, like, um, seven catch games or 100-yard games and touchdowns, and I'll add all that up, okay? It's my own little formula. And I look at it, and – it produces a number. So, for example, uh, Marquez Colson in his rookie year had four seven-catch games, 400-yard games, and eight touchdowns. That's a that's a four, four, and an eight. That's a 16 value, right? You understand what I'm saying? Right. So I, I look at players in their first year to see, were there any good wide receivers, elite wide receivers, that had terrible first years? Well, Hakeem Nix had an eight. Greg Jennings scored a seven in my system. Jeremy Macklin scored a 7. Harvin scored an 8. Britt scored a 7. I mean, those are decent scorers in this system. A.J. uh, Andre Johnson scored a 9 in his first year. Calvin Johnson at least scored a 6. But you look at guys like Michael Crabtree. He scored a 2 in his rookie year. Um, I I, I mean, I don't know. Is he going to finally get it together? In his second year, he scored a 9. That's a little bit better. Uh, Even Austin Collie in his rookie year scored a 10. But I I just don't know if, if guys like Golden Tate and Aurelius Ben and Dexter McCluster and Demarius Thomas, if these rookies can make up for such a terrible first year, was it is it just a product of maybe the pros being too difficult for them to really figure out and get involved? Or it, you know, I'm just wanting I want to see one I'm, good wide receiver that started off really that slow
2: and overcame it. I I, I don't think see it. Okay. But Scott, I, I think it's a combination of uh, you know the, the game is too fast for them. Maybe they're not ready for it. Uh, you know, one study uh, maybe that I you know I, I would love to take on to challenge is uh, you know second third year uh, receivers and how well they do uh, because I think that's what it's becoming is you know you jump into the NFL and uh, whether you, you come out of the NFL as a senior out of college or a junior what have you, uh, it's it's a totally different game. I mean, you've got uh, DBs, uh, secondary uh, guys. I mean, they're headhunting. They're coming after you. And a lot of these guys, I mean, they they get alligator arms real quick. So it, it would be very interesting to see what they do their first year versus second, third, fourth. Uh, I know Crabtree. Crabtree is a perfect example. He has not developed like a lot of uh, fantasy owners, would hope he would. Uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Crabtree owner in uh, one league, and, you know, I, I've been very disappointed out of how he's developed. So, uh, But then again, you have to look at the system as well. What kind of system has Crabtree had to develop himself under? Well, you know what,
1: I, I... – all that aside, I don't care what system you're in, you still need to do something no matter what. The, you're a team player. It's a team atmosphere. you got to be able to produce.
2: Uh, uh, you know? I disagree. And uh,
1: most rod most receivers find a way. Look at Mike Williams. He had uh, uh, at least a seven-catch game. He had at least a 100-yard game. He scored 11 touchdowns on a, on a team with, a, you know, basically an inexperienced quarterback and an inexperienced offense. I mean, he still got it done. Even Calvin Johnson – uh, with a terrible Detroit team a couple years ago, Fitzgerald. You know, everybody said, "Well, he didn't do much his rookie year." Well, he still had eight touchdowns, my friend. Talent is still yeah. out. it still is out, right? I mean, it's, it's pretty important lot. in this
2: equation. So, yeah, every 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 player you just mentioned has a role player. Fitzgerald had what Golden. at that time? Uh, you know, Tower or, or some or somebody go it Every player you just mentioned had somebody to go with him.
1: Yeah. And well, we'll we'll, I mean, we'll
2: see. I, my
1: point is this. I think if I have those guys that I mentioned, Golden Tate, uh, Dexter McCluster, Aurelius Ben, uh, although there is a little bit of hope for Aurelius Ben, uh, you know, he did come on. He had the knee injury, the ACL. Sounds like he's completely recovered from that, or he will be in June. It was a clean tear. Uh I think most of those guys are sells. I, I don't think I, I don't think I hold on to them. I think I just go ahead and sell, cut my losses. Like for example, this dynasty trade that I just pulled off. I want your thoughts on it, Mike. Uh yeah. Who wins in this situation? Uh, one side: Austin Collie in a 2012 third for Aurelius Ben Golden Tate in a 2011
2: second. Uh, I will go ahead and. Uh... I'll go ahead and take uh, Austin Collie in the third.
1: Yeah. See that's my point. I think that's the way to go. I think if you can get Collie right now, uh I know Wayne's a big collie fan, I share him, kinda of talked me into him. Talked him up talk him up a little bit. I mean he's a he's an Indianapolis homer. I have to look past that, but he does have some stats there. If he's willing to share him in the chat room, get people a little uh wet over Austin Collie here. He was on page for well over a hundred catches. But is yep. he being undervalued, Mike? Right now, his average draft position is wide receiver thirty. Guys like Crabtree and Big Mike Williams of Seattle, and Sidney Rice and Pierre Garcon, and Santonio San Holmes and Anquan Bolden—all these guys are being drafted ahead of him, Mike. I mean, seriously. Yeah, I, I mean, are you, are we medically diagnosing that he just doesn't have the ability to stay healthy at this point? I mean, does. Injuries are a concern for everybody. Okay, maybe injuries are more of a concern for Collie. Maybe that's the one thing we have to consider here, and that's what's pushing his value down.
0: But are we really fine. to that point
1: where we can really say that Collie is going to be a, uh, a he's a hit away from missing three games? I mean, maybe maybe they're going to play it a lot safer with Collie, and that's the scary that's the scary part.
2: I think that's what it boils down to is uh, the fear factor of uh, Austin Collie getting hurt again, getting another concussion. And let's face it, if he gets if he gets another concussion, uh, you know he could be out the entire year. So there's there's a fear factor there, and it and it should be. I mean that's very uh, you know that's very validated. Uh, there should not be a fear factor with uh, Colley getting hurt again. But then again, if he doesn't get hurt again, this guy is a he's a top five wide receiver in the NFL, Scott, a top five.
1: Yeah. Well that that's the interesting thing. I mean Peyton absolutely loves him. Uh in a recent dynasty draft, he went at five eight. This is the most recent dynasty draft I could find, guys. It's being drafted right now as we speak by some very, very good names. I won't go into detail. I can't reveal it to you. They've asked to keep it uh, a secret. But Austin Collie was drafted at five eight, picked fifty six overall. I mean that's right there in the that's before Jimmy Graham, uh, the one 4 rookie pick, uh, Legarrette Blount, Michael Vick, uh, Garcon, Hillis, Green. I mean, a lot of those guys. So uh, I think you've got to think that that pick makes a lot of a lot of sense if you can yeah. if you can get Collie and just kind of sit it out, man. Maybe maybe let's, let's look at this thing. If you don't have to give up to his, he's being undervalued right now. everybody's scared to death of the uh, head injuries, and, and I guess rightfully so, but you. Be. When
2: you see value like this, Mike, that's that's total value. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you should be scared to death of it. Uh, you know, I, I would be. I mean, you just don't know what's going to happen. Is it going to go down again? But uh, you yeah. know, if 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 things go right, I mean, if everything's right with him and he and it, he does stay healthy, this guy's going to be a monster.
1: Yeah. Mike, let's look at something else here. Uh, another trade that we pulled off this week. I've been kind of trade-happy in these in these fantasy leagues. Uh, here's another one. I gave up Maurice Jones-Drew for the first time in my life. I'm sorry, the second I time in my that. life I traded Maurice Jones-Drew. Rashad Jennings, his backup, who I really didn't want to give up, but I went ahead and did it. And Winslow. And in return... I get Sean Green, Maurice Morris, and the object of my affection here, JerMichael Finley. So, Mike, who wins in this one? Basically, uh, MJD Jennings and Winslow or Sean Green, Maurice Morris. I'm a best owner, so I'll go ahead and take his backup, even if they don't, even if they draft a backup in the draft. Uh, and JerMichael
2: Finley. All right. Well, uh, I saw that. Uh, I saw that trade, and uh, it was one of the hypers. And uh, I, uh, I was very interested. The first. When I first saw it, I, I was like, "Man, this guy wants Sean Green that bad." So I think you traded in my opinion. I, I think you lost on that one, Scott. Um, MJD, he says, "I've plenty left," and uh, you know, you, you've got you got to understand that um, Sean Green, Sean Green's going to have a lot to go, but chances are, will you have Sean Green three years from now? Probably not, because you're probably going to trade him away. Um, so, at the end of the day, I, I really think that uh, you lost out on that one, man.
1: Well, I think that might be a, a sentiment among a lot of players uh, in this particular dynasty draft. He went at Maurice Jones-Drew uh, went at uh, pick three, two, Mike. He's now a third round. That's the furthest I've seen him slide, but. Look, people are staying away from Maurice Jones-Drew and that knee, Mike. Uh, He's got a lot of carries, a lot of wear and tear. He's got to defy uh, the uh, prior stats that are out there on that many carries. I mean, he's just really had a lot of carries at a very young age in his career, and that's got to take hold. So, you know, uh, my goal here was to get Jermichael Finley. I wanted to improve the tight end spot and maximize those points. Uh, if this league only requires one running back to start, I already have Menon Hall. I already have Job at Best, um, several others. I've got the number one pick if I want to get another one. Um, I'm, I'm pretty set well, there. Yes, I don't, I don't, well,
2: and, and I can kind well, of get this,
1: myself from the MJD
2: situation. Right. Uh, let me ask this Was there any way you could have improved your tight end position without giving up MJD with that particular trade with that particular owner? No. No.
1: No. If you're gonna get Finley if you're gonna get Finley in leagues these days, you're gonna come off of a significant piece. And I think the the thing that I'm that I realize though is Maurice Jones Drew isn't as significant as you or most people probably think he is. You might be thinking that he's still in the tier of dynasty players that he was last year when he was being drafted first round, uh, with the Ray Rice's of the world and the and the Adrian Petersons. Uh, but he's not in that league anymore just simply because of another year on top of uh, the carries and the knee injury. And a good backup that if you look at the points uh, per reception, it's a very valuable asset of MJD, right? His reception's right. scaled off significantly again in a receptions per game category due to the presence of Rashad Jennings and your boy, uh, what's his name, Deji uh Karim. Yep. So MJD is losing the one thing that made him ultra elite, and that is his receptions. He still had to get those touchdowns too. So that's that's another factor. Plus, you have a Jacksonville team that what's going on in Jacksonville, man? I mean, I don't see that. See them? I see them. I don't, I don't see them doing. I really we don't see anybody doing anything right now. But I don't. I don't have a vibe that they're going to be better than they were last year. I, I don't know. That's just me. But I don't. I don't. I don't see yep. enough young town then I think they're gonna be better. I think they actually overachieved last year if I had to if I had to put my, my stake in it, I would say they overachieved last year. You know? So, I know. Anyway, that's just one trade. You know, everybody's got an opinion on these things. Uh let's move you on got, and take hey, a look at another never one. Know. You never know.
2: It, it, Go ahead. Scott it could turn out uh, real good for you. Uh, right now, uh, I don't I don't see it turn out good, but but you never know. I mean, uh, you know, we could look back a year from right now and uh, you know I I Got my little composition book, and I write down all these trades and things that happen. Uh, You know, we could uh, scale back through that, uh, look back a year from now, and go, wow, man, nice job.
1: (laughs) All right, here's another trade, Mike. Uh, Who wins in this one? I pulled this one off as well. This was in the uh, Hyperactive 3. I don't know if you saw this one or not. Again, this is a pretty big monster here. It's a big monster. Uh, Arian Foster, Ben Tate. So you get the combo Texans there. Marquez Colston and Brent Selleck. So that's a big package on that side of the table, Mike. On the other side of the table were Shard Mendenhall, Mike Thomas, and Vernon Davis. So I'll read it to you again. You got the Foster-Kate combo in Houston, so you get basically the number one player in dynasty football right now, Arian Foster. You got Marquez Colston and Brent Selleck. On the other side you have an improving Mendenhall, uh an up and coming Mike Thomas, not real sure of what he's capable of yet. And one of the best tight ends in the game, Vernon Davis.
2: Uh well, whoever has whoever's getting Foster, Colston, and Selleck wins. That's all I gotta say. Uh Mendenhall, nah, yeah, he he's I mean, he's gonna do fine in the next couple years. Uh Thomas, he, he won't be bad. Uh Vernon Davis uh, I don't see electrifying statistics. I see still see electrifying statistics from uh Arian Foster and uh Marcus Colson. So Alright, well I got, am
1: the Foster owner, so I'll go ahead and give myself a little props
2: here. I am the smartest man
1: alive. I'll go yeah, ahead and take it, man. Hey, anytime I see an Arian Foster pop up in my uh in my trade, I basically hit accept as soon as I can see it because you know what? I've been waiting to get Arian Foster. I've only got him in a couple of dynasty leagues, and this one marks, I think, my uh, third out of seven leagues that I have Arian Foster. And you know what? It was an unsolicited trade, Mike. It came out of the blue uh, right before the show, maybe a couple of hours. I saw it hit my phone. I, I, I see the name Arian Foster. I don't care what I'm giving up really on the other side. I'm going to go ahead and accept <laughs> it. That's kind of how it went. He's the number one player in all of fantasy football, probably closely behind in my opinion, Jamal Charles uh, is right there, right up there with him. You know, I gave him to you last year.
2: Enjoy him. Uh yep. you're gonna get uh, several years uh, out I'm of uh Jamal Charles. He's gonna going be fine this year and uh, the one thing about that trade, Scott, is uh I think he tried to throw in uh, Tate, which Tate's gonna be a non factor for you. Uh but you're gonna get you you might get some fun out of uh coasting and selling for uh maybe one or two more years.
0: And you know,
2: that, I mean, that could be electrifying. Those three players right there on any given Sunday—Foster, Coulson, and Selleck—that uh, could be something else.
1: Yeah. Well, Hall's improving. He's a lot better than he than he uh, than, than folks gave him credit for. I I, I believe in Hall. I have him in in many many fantasy leagues, uh, in, in dynasty leagues. Uh, I think I have him in four of my seven dynasty leagues even after trading him. So, you know, he's a very popular guy for me that I that I targeted a long time ago and you know, I'm gonna hate to see him go, but I I'm glad to see Foster come yep. in.
2: I I want well, to me-
1: shore up that tight end spot now. You gotta you gotta you gotta figure out how to shore that up. You can't be uh going to war with Brent Celek. You're gonna have to do something about that.
2: Right. And well on the other side of it Scott, uh other than uh, a couple of breakout touchdowns that Mendenhall last had last year, uh I mean, I know he had uh, one early in the year, maybe in the first week. Uh, a couple others later in the year, uh, but other than those breakout touchdowns, how many touchdowns did Mendenhall score?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't have that in front of me. It was, it was a, you know, what, he's a good he's a good player though. He's coming up. Uh, I heard a report that Pittsburgh wants to pass more. I don't know if that's the right answer. When you got a back like Men and you got that cold weather and you got those defenses uh, that you face in that division every year. So I think uh, Pittsburgh's got a good thing going. Now, Mike, I want to talk real quick. Uh, I, again, another word. I'm enamored uh, with the 1250 Dynasty League that I'm in. I, I think about it a lot. The Fantasy Football Players Championship, FFPC, uh, brought on the high-stakes Dynasty Leagues. It's a trade league. So, you know, being able to trade – uh, is not something that's accepted in high-stakes leagues. However, you can in the Dynasty Leagues, and it's what makes Dynasty Leagues fun. You know, without without trading in Dynasty Leagues, it wouldn't be any fun. So being able to draft and trade with the high-stakes fantasy community is a lot of fun, okay? Having said that, I have the number one and the number two pick in the 1250 Dynasty, the biggest Dynasty League of them all here, and I'm seriously considering taking – I already you already knew I would take an A.J. Green at one – I'm seriously right. considering not taking Mark Ingram with the two-pig, Mike. I've got Julio Jones tugging on me. If he's drafted by the Rams, I love that situation. We've been talking about that for weeks now, that if he goes to the Rams, it's a very favorable situation. But from all accounts, Mike, uh, the report support is building for Mikel LeStruhrer over Mike Ingram. Now, I listen to a lot of the guys that are um, – fantasy veterans and NFL veterans, not just fantasy, NFL veterans that watch a lot of tape, uh, Greg Cosell, Merrill Hodge, uh, these guys all believe, Charlie Catchley, all three of those guys believe that Mikel Lashore is, sure is a better back than Mark Ingram, uh, a better prospect. And, uh, you know, uh, Greg Cosell, one of the guys that you, you have to admire and respect in the game, He had Ingram third behind both LaShore and Ryan Williams, who we're going to talk about in a second, Mike. So, you know, Ingram was a first-round pick. That's what you thought. You thought he was going to go to Miami. But I'm not so sure that with that
2: knee, I think he's
1: fallen on a lot of draft
2: boards. Yeah. Uh, There's no doubt about it. Uh, uh, Julio Jones, I mean, that's going to be uh, one that's going to be very high high on your board. Uh, If it came down between uh, Ingram and LaShore, uh, I think I would take uh, Ingram. I, I would still stay with Ingram, uh, but you know, I don't. I don't see how you can go wrong with either one. But uh, you know, I, I know you're high on LaShore, but uh, I would still go with Ingram, um, just for the fact—the simple fact—that he's a, a bang-up guy, and he—he he, he's already shown in college and going through a bunch of things in the, in the SEC. He can handle any kind of beating that he, you know, given uh, upon him. You know, I still go with Ingram right now.
1: Well, uh, just put a link in the chat room for Lance. He's talking about the team line and the quarterback more important than player in the draft. I uh, went ahead and gave him that article okay. on the offensive line that we we started off the show with, Mike. But listen, uh, you know, hey, we all know the story on Ingram. Uh, this is a guy that uh, ran a four-six at the combine, but he did improve at, to a four-five at the pro day workout. We like seeing a little bit of improvement there. His sophomore year is what he when he showed us what he could do. Like sixteen hundred yards, he won the Heisman. He was dominant, and uh, but then he had to share time last year to possibly a superior back in Trent Richardson. Wait until you we really get to see Trent Richardson shine this year, sure. but. Last year, Ingram only carried 900 yards, but he did have 14 touchdowns, still averaged over 5.5 yards a carry. I mean, he's the real deal, but, you know, uh, I like speed. I like speed, and, and uh, Ingram doesn't have it. He he doesn't have it at the 40. He does have it a little bit better through the 10, uh, and that's important. It shows you that burst that he can have through the line. He definitely has that. But let's talk about who my alternative is, though. I'm not really too keen on taking Mikel to shore, I think I'd rather take Julio Jones especially if he ends up especially if he ends up in St. Louis. He's got, you know, he's got the perfect body for a receiver. He's 6'3" 220. Fantastic athlete. Uh and, and you know, we're going to compare you know for years. We're probably going to compare AJ Green and Julio Jones, much like we compared for a couple of years <laughs> Andre Johnson and Charles Rogers. You remember that was going on? That didn't last – that didn't do so well for Charles Rogers, who was a highly touted lock, you know, of the decade-type wide receiver from Michigan State. Um, well, you know, we're going gonna, we're gonna to compare these guys, guys, and is, you look at the teams that they might go to, you're talking about Cincinnati and Cleveland. I mean, neither one of those really get me too awfully excited about drafting them. I just hope
2: that one of those guys lands in a premium situation like St. Louis. Well, the one thing about St. Louis is uh, – how many times? How many years are they going to continue to spend uh, draft picks on wide receivers? I mean, you know, they got the Gilliard and uh, Amendola and these guys. I mean, they're they're just uh, they're going to be number twos all their life, maybe number threes. Uh, when are they going to really find that wide receiver? And uh, is uh, Julio Jones? Is Julio Jones that guy? If I'm, if I'm St. Louis, if I'm, if I'm a GM and looking out and I'm going, now wait a second here, guys. We tried and we tried to get a top-notch wide receiver. Do we do it again? I think they're going to pass on wide receiver and go elsewhere.
1: Well, they, they definitely need to do something. Uh, I, I would I would take, if I'm Cincinnati and I'm on Cleveland, the last thing I'm looking for is receiver, really. I mean, I take the appro- – I mean, maybe Colton and McCoy needs a, uh, a nice target. A.J. Green, I think, is probably the best pick there. But if I'm Cincinnati, the last thing I want to do is I-, I would take a flyer on a quarterback or try to trade for a quarterback. I mean, you're going to lose Palmer, so you're going to get another draft pick somewhere somehow, you know. Go ahead and uh, – I'm not in favor of taking a quarterback that you don't like, so maybe trade down and get a quarterback you like later. Well, pick one up in free agency once it starts. I mean, that's kind of the that's kind of what I would do if I was Cincinnati. I mean, you've got great young wide receivers. You've got Jordan Shipley. Uh, yeah. That's the guy. You've got Jerome Simpson that looked like an absolute all-star uh, the latter part of the season. And you've got uh, Andre Caldwell, right? So you've got three receivers there. And even if Ocho Cinco isn't there, which it doesn't sound like he's going to be, uh, or Owens, I think that part of the game is pretty set. You got Bernie Scott and uh you know, I don't know if Benson will still be there. That team's really gonna be in shambles, but receiver doesn't really make your team all that much better. Unless you know, you have you a need... quarterback Yeah, but do you see that? Do you do you see a quarterback uh just screaming at you? I don't think so.
2: No. No. I don't, I
1: don't. no. Uh so again I, I said we talk about Ingram, we talk about LaSure uh, Mike, Mike Harmon from Fox Sports has Ryan Williams as his number one. Now, this is the kid that I liked last year as my number one. But you remember, as a sophomore, he racked up 1,600-plus yards at Virginia Tech. Good conference. Virginia Tech plays a, a good schedule. Looks fantastic. 5.7 yards to carry, Mike. Ryan Williams, all year last year, because I drafted him in the backyard brawl, is where you get to take one developmental player and watch it. And I'm waiting, you know. He was hampered by this hamstring all year, dude. I mean, mad skills, Mike. He's 5'9", 2'12", kind of MJD size, you know. 5'9", 2'12", that's like MJD. What is MJD, like 5'7", five, five, 210 or something? I mean, he's a little
2: bit taller. Hey, he's like but... five, eight, something. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, he's the MJD mold, and he, and, and I think he might uh, he might be able to uh, be one of the top backs in this class. It just depends on where they go, obviously. You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see a team like Atlanta – uh, pick up some kind of a back that can catch the ball. You know, maybe a Jacques Rogers, you know, this kid, you know, who can catch the ball and be a weapon, an instant weapon, or a Noel Devine, somebody that can catch the ball out of the backfield and get out of there. Because if you just – if you counting on Michael Turner to take you back it, – it, they peaked last year, Mike. How is Atlanta – how are the Atlanta – I know I'm jumping off topic here, but how are the Atlanta Falcons going to take that next step, that next step as a as an NFL franchise they basically played their balls out last year. They can't get it. They can't play any harder than they did last year. And 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 the one thing I said, go ahead, tell me how they
2: can get better, Mike, and then I'll tell you what I think. The passing uh, and receiving game will get even better. They're, they haven't even touched uh, what they can do. They're kind of touching the mold of the uh, the Indy Colts uh, from uh, I'd say three four years ago. Basically, uh, we're going to run a little bit, but. Matt Ryan's going to throw all over the place, and those Atlanta receivers are going to catch it. And that's how they're going to get better. And I think all of the receivers, along with Matt Ryan, are going to come together. This team will be scary.
1: Uh, Code Cracker in the chat room says he heard today that they want to offer Steve Smith a one-year deal. I hope that's Steve Smith and not Rod Smith there. (laughs) Steve Smith from Carolina. Uh, Carolina, uh, if you bring in Steve Smith uh, to, to, to you know to pair up with Roddy White, they're pretty nasty. Now I had this conversation with Mr. Wayne Ellis earlier this week, and he brought up a good point. He brought up the coaching tree, and uh, that's Lou Tranquilly from BFT Fantasy puts out the coaching tree every year. Fantastic article, uh, or I uh, I don't know if you call it an article. It's really just a uh, it's a guide. Uh, to to understanding the coaching in the uh, NFL. And the coaching is so important to what happens on a team's offensive philosophy. And uh, the coach in Atlanta has never really uh, thrown or had the wide receiver too involved. So, you know what, I think you have to change your offensive philosophy if you're the Atlanta Falcons head coach. I think you need to look and say, we cannot go any further with this philosophy. We didn't get it done. We didn't play good on the bench, on the biggest of games. We got our tails kicked by one of the by the by the eventual Super Bowl champ. We were real close, but I think we've got to do something a little bit different. I think we have to expand our game because they basically took Roddy White out of that game. They really did. The Packers took Roddy White out, and then the defense couldn't stop Aaron Rodgers. So I think you have to address defense. You have to address skill positions in the defense in the defensive uh, backs there. And then I think you have to change your offensive philosophy a little bit. You can't rely on Turner to just plod through. You're going to have to get a player that can catch the ball out of the backfield and create some excitement behind that line. That's why I think maybe somebody like a a Jock Kiz Rogers or uh, somebody like a Noel Devine, somebody that can kind of fit into that profile and and do that would be a uh, a nice thing.
2: When does does Jacob Tammy become a free agent?
1: good question man what do you what do you what do you what do you know about what do you, what are you talking about here
2: well uh he would be a great fit great fit for atlanta falcons oh uh you know
1: what uh, gonzo has what a year left so, yeah, you know, um, I, I think Gonzo, this will probably be his final hoorah year. And, uh, man, if, if the Colts let Tammy get away with Dallas Card getting ready to retire, that would be just kind of a crazy move for them. I think they've got to hang on to Jacob Tammy, and I think they've got
2: to pay. Um, I, think, I, think, I think Tammy becomes a free agent after this year. And uh, I don't know. I mean, there's going to be a lot of offers out there, uh, especially, especially if he can produce the way he did uh, this this past year. And uh, there, there's going to be team screaming point.
1: Yeah. Hey, you know, uh, Tammy is an interesting uh, player there, man. You got to You got to respect what he did and what he put together. Um, uh, we're getting some bad storms here in Indianapolis, so
2: uh,
1: uh, we're getting so ready right get up here or ahead lose it. it. That's what's happening there. I, we, we've been waiting on these storms to come in. They're here,
2: and that's what we get in April. We get uh, April showers and May flowers, right? So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the radar right now, Scott, and we're getting ready to get hammered with the same shit. So, hey,
1: I want to, I want I want to go back to this dynasty draft for all the people in the chat room. Again, um, this dynasty draft is brand new. It's recent. It's right up to date. You guys have got drafts coming up. Andre Johnson was the tenth player off the board, Mike. Tenth player off the board. Uh, Roddy Fitz, Knicks, Peterson, McCoy, Calvin. Chris Johnson, Jamal Charles, and Fox all take before him. Um, another another name that stands out to me, Dez Bryant at 2-1. Uh, that, that, that Mike Wallace at 2-4. Uh, that, that, uh, that Mark, uh, the number one rookie pick was taken at 2-11, right between Brandon Marshall and Jermichael Finley. Mike Williams uh, from Tampa at 3-1. So they've got Mike Williams rated basically about the one two rookie pick. The one one,
2: one two rookie pick. He's right uh, about I, I, I know we don't have much time left, but between uh between now and next Friday, uh let's uh you and uh, everybody in the chat room and myself, uh let's put together a top five. Top five. Yeah. Well, that would
1: be uh Java best one, Arian Foster two. Just kidding. <laughs> that's got to be up there, man. I got Hakeem Nix and Calvin Johnson, one and one A. I've got Arian Foster, one B. Those are my top three for sure. Uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to have uh, some other guys that are right there underneath them. Probably Jamal Charles and Adrian Peterson, something like that. That has to be you my top four. I
2: mean, we we can get through one with no problem, and then two, three, four, five is going to be a tough deal. So that'd be fun. Let's, let's all think about it and uh, you know go through one through five. All right, Red vs. Blue. We'll see you next week,
0: guys. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.